Welcome to How I Got Hired, a podcast to inspire job seekers to find their dream jobs or reinvent their careers. I'm your host, Sonal Behal, founder of Supercharge and Career Strategist. And every single week, I hold a conversation with a new guest who's had extraordinary career success. And today, I am speaking with hmm, Lee Andres, if you are from the US, but if you're Italian or speak Italian, Lee Andres. <laughs> Lee has had a phenomenal career. Okay, are you ready? I'm going to hold it. I'm going to not hold my breath. Let's go. Lee has had a phenomenal career as a secondary school teacher, a cowgirl. Yes, you heard me right. A tractor, trailer, driver. Yes, you heard me right. Talent acquisition, where she personally filled 3,000 positions at Fortune 100 companies and trained 2,000 recruiters. Wow. In her latest role, Lee served as the head of Equin Studios' government practice, introducing innovative talent acquisition solutions to support the federal government, civilian, Department of Defense agencies, including the intelligence community. Ooh, <laughs> I'm so excited to learn all about career reinvention from you. Lee, very warm welcome to How I Got Hired. Thank you, Sonal. Thank you for all those kind words. It sounds a lot sexier than it probably really is, but thank oh, you. <laughs> it is. I think this is the epitome. Cowgirl to the intelligence community, and there's a story there, okay? So, <laughs> so we're going to get into it, Lee, and you need to walk us through. Uh, before, you know, we talk about the fabulous career that you've had in talent acquisition, which I think deserves a, you know, an episode in itself. Talk to us about all these reinventions I just spoke of you know, and the juicy backstory of how you got started compared to where you are today. Yeah, so I think it's interesting just to say that, yeah, I like the word that you use, reinvented, because that's exactly what I have done. And, and I think that the foundation of everything that I've done in this world is simply because I had a horrific car accident when I was not quite 19 years old. It was my freshman year in college, and I had a head-on collision that by all that's right and holy, I should not have survived. I actually flipped the car in front of me, and um, I wound up on the hood of the car of a Pinto, which were typically known to blow up. That one didn't, and uh, so everybody survived, which in and of itself is a miracle. So that really, from that moment on, um, I just live very fearlessly. And so whatever I can do and whatever my interests have been in this world, I pretty much went after it. If it piqued my interest, I said, let's do it. It was just a yes. And so I always wanted to be a high school teacher. I played school <laughs> growing up as a kid. And uh, so for me to get my degree in, in secondary education was a no-brainer. And that's when I first realized the power of networking, but I didn't know that it was networking because right after I graduated college and started teaching for a little bit, my college best friend, still to this day, um, introduced me to the head of a staffing company. Her name was Bev Slattery. And I looked at this woman who was just absolutely gorgeous and statuesque, and I said, I want to be like her when I grow up. Very smart, very articulate. And she took me under her wing. And so before I knew it, I was managing, um, a, you know, my first staffing business. And I was 23, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, wow. at that point. Wow. Yeah, I was pretty young. And um, 
So then, uh, you know, as as time went on, I decided that I wanted to go back into teaching and became a secondary, a post-secondary school teacher at a business school uh, and later becoming their director of career placement. And then staffing, for some reason, called me back. And it was, again, through network. Every one of these positions was through networking. People that I knew, knew of something. I, and- Lee, I, I love that you shared that. We didn't call it networking at the time, but that's what it was. It was friends, right. helping friends. Yes, that's exactly what it was. In More interestingly than that, my actual first placement was my father when I was 15 years old. So I was a secretary. My teacher at school uh, realized that I had some pretty good, when you're hyper like me, you have some good motor skills. So I could type and I could take shorthand very, very fast and, and accurately. So she... Uh, placed me with her husband. So I was the his executive assistant um, throughout those last two years of, of high school. And it just so happened that Mr. Richborg hired his best friend who retired from Eastman Kodak as an executive. So when my parents said they wanted to move from Maryland back to Rochester to be with their family, I says, Dad, why don't you give me your resume, which I actually put together for him. <laughs> And, oh and handed it to Mr. Cox, who then networked at um, Eastman Kodak. And within a month, my father was relocated back to Rochester, New York. And this I mean, is you as a teenager? As a teenager, yep. Uh, oh, wow. Writing was on the wall. I'm sure your dad was like totally underestimating you and then shocked out of his brain, right? <laughs> no, I don't think they ever underestimated me. I think though, <laughs> now when I look back on it, that would have been a really nice placement fee. <laughs> I should have gotten, gotten 30% out of that one. Oh man, retired for life with that one. Well, oh, not yeah. quite, but close. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and, and tell us about like when you had this sort of, um, you know, in, in French it's called le joie de vivre. It's like coming to life, like, yes, you know what? I survived something major. I, it, mm-hmm. My life could have been over just like that. You know, those sort mm-hmm. of, um, they're almost like movie moments. I, you know, I call them. And then then that's when I guess you seized when you said, okay, whatever it is I wanted to dream of doing, like cowgirl, tractor, <laughs> trailer. Because I, I, you and I have talked uh, before, right? Tractors <laughs> are like, we're talking Big, gigantic, yeah, it was a big wheelers. Leap. So talk to us about like. <laughs> it was a big leap. It was a big leap, and I was influenced. I was influenced by the opposite sex, <laughs> and so, and uh, this is kind of funny. And let me tell you something. I aged my parents quite a bit because oh <laughs> I also God. ride a motorcycle. So there wasn't a day that my poor mother hasn't woken up, you know, <laughs> over the past fifty some years, wondering if her daughter was coming back alive or in one piece. Oh so yeah, gosh. so I was actually part of the uh, Kelly management team and uh, Kelly Services, which is a large staffing mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. And we uh, every year we had these annual uh, meetings and I decided to go on a dude ranch for a day for one of those extracurricular events. And lo and behold, did you say uh, dude, dude ranch? Yeah, dude ranch. It's a it's a um, it was called Reddington Land and Cattle. And they actually, you know, they're real working uh, ranches uh, herding cows and cattle, you know, cattle and, you know, mm-hmm. horseback riding. And so mm-hmm. there were a few of us Kelly managers on this ride, mm-hmm. except I stayed. I love that so much that I said, that's it. I'm leaving my, I'm quitting my career. I'm moving to Tucson, Arizona for a couple of years and I'm going to be a cowgirl. And that's exactly what I did. Did you? Love I it? had 
a blast. <laughs> I had a blast. After two years, I said, okay, it's time to get back to reality, right? Uh, so I just made a phone call and had a job the next week. <laughs> so, and uh, that's when I moved back to the East Coast to get back into staffing. And, and who did you make that phone call to? People that I used to work with at Kelly. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So okay. wherever you go, I think the key is wherever you go, you just have to do great work mm-hmm. so that people are, you know, interested in working with you again. And I think that's you. the key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Competence and then obviously be memorable. Um, fabulous. So and 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 talk to us about the trailer, tractor trailer. Like what <laughs> tractor, is tractor trailer driver? Yeah, yeah. Like you were a driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure was. So uh, I went back into the staffing industry, managed a couple of of areas for Kelly Services. You know, met was a market manager, had several offices under me, and um, I had this new client. And she liked country and western music, and she was new to the area. I said, well, I just so happen to know this country and western bar. Let's go there. And uh, so we did, and that is where she met her future husband, and where I realized that (laughs) being a trucker is kind of cool. So I got to see in some of the trucks, because a lot of truckers would stop there, it was, uh, it's a very high traffic rate, and it's in the Erie, Pennsylvania area, for those of you who know. There's lots of um, transport that happens in that area. So when I, when I got into the driver's seat of that tractor trailer, somebody that I had met, I said, I have got to do this. <laughs> I have got to do this. So away I went. I quit my career again. And my poor parents, <laughs> I feel for them. Can anybody imagine having, putting, you know, having your kid go through school, college, and have all this, have, have all these opportunities? And she quits to be a cowgirl, and then she quits to be an over-the-road trucker. So uh, I did. I went and got my license. It took six weeks um, of staying at this really shoddy hotel, learning how to drive a tractor trailer, and um, right after that, I was partnered with a co-driver, and off I went into the wild blue yonder, traveling the country. And I will tell you, I was treated like a princess. I wore a dress every day, Sonal. Oh, I can't imagine you in a dress. Wow. I wore a dress every <laughs> single day. I was really petite, too. Yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah. and so um, it was interesting. This, is, uh, this, was, this was the time in my life. Which, this is only the second time in my life where I can honestly say that discrimination and... Um, uh, being female uh, and and being discriminated against were so blatant, so blatant. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time was when I went, I changed my actual first name. Um, I go by my middle name, not my first name, because of my experience at Eastman Kodak. But this time, the police officers would actually, when you go through the weighing scales, they actually would stop my truck, pull me into the offices just to get a look. Why? Because there were such few women? Yeah, there were hardly any women back then. But yeah, they had to see. They had to see this female driver just mm. to see. Mm. So, so yeah. I did that. Yeah, yep. and, and um, just want to rewind a second here. So, Lee, for those who don't know you, um, your first name is Paula. And you're saying you changed your name because of discrimination um, uh, when you were at a very large company. Can you talk to us about what type of discrimination? Yeah, I absolutely can. So, again, 
very young uh, age. It was my first summer college job, mm-hmm. and uh, I was at Eastman Kodak, and I have absolutely no qualms saying that company name. Mm-hmm. Where I put together a proposal, I was in the original word processing department. <laughs> I put I put together a proposal that said if we do this, this, and this, it would operate more efficiently. So I submitted the proposal, and it never went anywhere. Meanwhile, I was noticing that the other students that were there for the summer um, who were engineers were all men. So I decided to take off the Paula, which is my first name, and just go with Lee. So I submitted it under P. Lee Andrews, and I immediately got to the director's office saying that the proposal was phenomenal. And not only that, they were shocked to see a woman come into the door. Oh, my God. Because they thought Lee was a guy. They sure did. They sure did. And that's what I learned. I learned very quickly that um, the world wasn't fair. And, you know, I didn't take it personally. I just said, okay, this is how it is. Lee it is. So in my sophomore year of college, I think I changed to Lee. Mm Mm-hmm. When you say sophomore, so for those outside the U.S., is that like the the senior most year? That's the second year. Second That's year. Second That's, year what a way. I learned this lesson very young. Exactly. What a way to kind of, you know, grow up um, in your late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Uh, and learn about the, harsh. yeah, learn about, you know, like a lot of us don't even know what discrimination means back then, right? We're so innocent. Um, yeah. But, but you did. You did. And, and yep. uh, life wasn't the same ever since. So interesting. I love the twists and turns here, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so yeah. um, and after that, you know, talk to us about Aquent, because um, this is one of the world's most successful staffing firms. Um, and you worked over 20 years with them, Lee. And talk to us about how how did you get hired? Tell us details about the interview process and, and everything. Okay, so I think it's important to say that I got out of the truck, before I got out of the truck, I wrote a hate letter to the publication who was producing uh, trucker ads for recruitment ads, um, and they had nothing in their magazines for women. So that hate letter turned into writing a column for that organization, for that publication for 15 years. So I became the dear Abby of trucking while I was in the truck. Oh, after I so got the, the hate the letter, truck, the hate letter became a love letter. <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. So while that happened, while that was going on, I knew when my second in my after my second, I get every two years I start to get the itch to do something different. So then I decided to go back into the staffing industry because that's really where my roots are. I wasn't ready to go back to high school and teach. And um, and again, I you know went to uh, I decided that I wanted to land in Maryland, and I called up a friend of mine. And I said, I'm looking to come to Maryland. And it was again through networking that said, here, talk to so-and-so. I got the interview and and then I got back into the staffing industry. It was about four years after that. I worked with some smaller staffing companies. Uh, but it was about four years after that, that um, one of my former colleagues left Advantage Staffing to go to Aquent. And so Blanche brought me and several people that we worked with to Aquent. That was in 1998. Mm-hmm. And I just left in 2019. 21 years. 2019. 
Yeah, 21 yeah. years. And and how was the interview experience? Was it like a very simple referral that, okay, she's <laughs> brought Lee in, so Lee must be good, or did you have to prove yourself? Talk to us about that. Really good question. So I had just purchased my first motorcycle, and I broke my foot. <laughs> and so I went in to that interview on crutches. And... Um, and it was interesting because Blanche knew who I was for, you know, a couple of years, but the, te- the rest of the team didn't know who I was there. So I actually interviewed with the team. In, cr- in crutches. In cr- yeah, on crutches. And but, telling can, the story okay. that I, I actually bought a motorcycle and I actually uh, broke my foot while uh, before I bought the motorcycle. So I went buying the motorcycle on crutches as well. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I have had the best life, honest to God. Without fame or fortune, I have done so many incredible things. And it's all been through some of the people that I know, the people that I have come to know mm-hmm. along my journey in this world. And I love the fact that, you know, you went, firstly, there's two things. You went very confidently into the interview um, on crutches because you would think, many people would think it's actually... Um, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to turn people off. But it turns out, no, I mean, they I mean, they welcomed you with open arms considering the first impression matters. You know what I mean, Lee? This is interesting. Um, oh gosh, who is this person <laughs> I didn't coming? even think about that. I didn't even think about, I didn't even come to my mind that these people would be bothered with me <laughs> on crutches on all. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. And you obviously, you stayed 21 years with them. So you obviously did a few things, years. right? Amazing. And, and talk to us, the most recent role that you had was MD um, at their government practice. And, and this is what I was saying earlier with all these, you know, very, very, uh, I think, very glamorous um, roles that you did with, uh, you know, helping their, their staffing in the Department of Defense and you know, intelligence community. And <laughs> I'm like thinking of like lots of crime shows when I'm talking about this. Um, so talk to us about this 21 year period. And yeah, that's your, interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. And your favorite ways, Lee, of, you know, someone who's listening, who's had a career and, and they've been in the same company for a little while. Talk to us about like getting noticed and promoted uh, during your tenure there. Your favorite tips. Yeah, so I would say the most important thing for for anybody who is you don't plan on being at a company for twenty one years, Sonal. No. I just didn't. I never did. You know, you you've heard my story. I get bored very fast, mm. and so for me to have stayed at a company that long tells you that this company was not a boring company. I also um, give all the credit to the people that I worked with, and so they, you know, we select one another in an organization. And if you if if I ever felt that I didn't have a choice to select the person that I worked with, I would have left a long time ago. Fortunately, I was surrounded by really smart, mostly women. I would say that most of my entire career was spent with women. I think I only worked with two guys there that mm. um, uh, reported to over the years. But everybody there, Aquin is such a unique culture. It's it's inclusive. There is nothing about this company that is exclusive. It finds a place for talent wherever talent belongs. So when you have an idea in this very unique culture, very entrepreneurial, very much a startup and open communication, you can, if you see an opportunity and you don't speak up, shame on you. So I, of course, I have absolutely no fear. 
of being wrong. <laughs> I have no mm -hmm. fear of, of pretty much anything. So whenever there was an opportunity for me to make a move, I thought, okay, now it's time for me to make a move. And that move happened. It, it was made to happen. So I went from the field to training. I became the company's first corporate trainer. Um, it used to be called the Institute with Dr. Matt Grant. He was one of the few, one of the two guys that I worked with there reported to. And then over the years, I spent 10 years in the training division, eventually becoming the director of that. But when user experience, when user experience first became very hot back in 2009, 2010, I stepped away from that director role because I said, this is where it's going to be. The UX space is where it's going to be. And I asked the president of the company, do you mind if I go back to the field and learn this space? And the answer was yes. Wow. They didn't lower my salary. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said, go learn the space. Yeah. Within about nine months of doing that, I then said, okay, I've got this down. <laughs> What's yeah. next? Yeah, oh, this What's is interesting. Next? There's two... two um, I think two parts here of the equation which make it work. Otherwise, it doesn't work. One is the culture which fosters curiosity all the time and safety, which is, hey, Lee wants to do something or she, you know, or even if it's a promotion or a lateral, you got to make the ask. But it's easy to say that, Lee, make the ask. People don't feel comfortable asking. That means that the culture isn't there. So what you said, another thing which you said, which I loved is, we chose who we work with. This is rare because you can, you know, they say you can't choose, right? You don't choose um, the people you work with. You don't choose your family. I do think you can choose the people you work with. Family is, it's a, you know, it's a massive sort of coincidence, uh, you know, eye in the sky type of thing. But here you can, and you did. And, and that meant you could ask for whatever it is you wanted. And the fear wasn't there, particularly if you have a reputation for, uh, being a biker, a trucker, and a cowgirl, people are like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Take her seriously. <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's I think that's the key, Sonal. I really do. If you're not in the right organization, yeah, the confidence to be able to leave, which I always have. So I've never looked at any of the, anybody that I've ever reported to. I've never looked at them as my boss. Never called them my boss. Never called them my manager. I always refer to them as my customer. And so therefore it becomes the employment situation becomes a two-way street. When I no longer want to support that customer or when that customer no longer needs or wants my services, we're both free to go. Mm -hmm. And so there's just mm -hmm. never a doubt in my mind. It's a completely different mental place to be in when you approach work in, in that in that capacity, this even so today, even mm -hmm. after 21 years, all mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing is by referral. All mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. I love that you shared that. It's funny because I think I've spent my whole life saying when somebody would say, so what, what do you do? Where do you work? I never said I work for. I never said that. I don't know why I didn't like it. Um, I always said I work with. And then the name of the company. There's something about partnership there. Um, yeah. which which feels uh, to someone listening like, yeah, it's easy for you to say. Well, actually, it's all about uh, how you frame it. And, and if the mindset is that's my boss, that means they have power. They will always have power over you, which is which we all know, right? At the end of the day, what are they going to do if they don't have you around? So I love that no, you, I, you reframed it. Yeah, and I think that 
you know, your, your customer always has the power too. The mm. question is, do you realize as, an, as the person providing that service, the provider has a, a level of power as well. Mm. So without the help, Nobody in a management position is going to be successful. The number one trait of successful managers and leaders are the ability to find the best people who are willing to work with you and give you everything you've got to make them successful. So when I, when I do meet with clients because sales meetings are part of my life, the most important person in that room to me is that prospective customer, whether they're going to be my employer or whether they're going to be a contract client. It doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. They are my customer, and helping them solve their problem is why I'm sitting in front of them talking to them in the first place. If I forget that, if I forget any part of that, I may risk becoming complacent or entitled. Mm -hmm. And this happens an awful lot when you've got long-term employees, and that's the stigma that long-term employment has in the marketplace. Oh, you've been there for so long. Mm. Why would you want to leave, number one? Number two, you must be com- pretty complacent because you've been mm. there for so long. Little do they know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Compl- yeah, you couldn't <laughs> My career has been anything but, place- but complacent. Complacent um, or predictable or entitled. Um, exactly. Speaking of which, this is very interesting. So, you know, you, you spoke such lovely words about Equent. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to say. Um, Fast forward to 2019, what made you finally, after 21 years, um, what made you take the leap and start yeah. your firm, which uh, has a very interesting name called Akathame, which yeah. I believe uh, I Googled it, it means directed energy, correct? What yes, made you leave that sort of comfort and, and familiarity? It's almost like a marriage, 21 years. What made you divorce that and start fresh? It was not easy. It took a year. (laughs) It took a year to to merge uh, my role into something else. And, um, you know, after you've you've done something and and been around for 21 years, it's just time for change, you know? Uh, But this last, the last gig, so I was known um, as a startup. So I was part of several startups inside Aquent, and this last one was CEO directed. And uh, because I was geographically located next to Washington, D.C., and the head of our government division left the organization, our CEO said, Hey, why don't we give it to Lee? <laughs> and I'm like, Really? I can, I'm going to be in jail in the first two weeks on all. <laughs> I mean, you've heard, I, I don't know when to be quiet. <laughs> and so, and so um, I asked the SVP. Uh, Blanche, who I just adore. There are several women, and I will tell you, I have been blessed to work with the smartest, kindest, most thoughtful women in my industry, in the staffing industry, for decades, since day one. Um, And uh, Blanche was one of them. So I went to Blanche, and I said, Blanche, would you have hired me for this job? She goes, nope. Honest, nope. honest to God. Because I don't know. And I said, I would have never applied for it. I said, this is a geographic move, isn't it? And then we got talking about it. And the reason that we believe um, that this happened, not only because of geography, but this was, a, this was a part of our company's business that was really hard to get off the ground. It would take an extraordinary amount to invest. And what I, I believe that John was really interested in is putting somebody in there he could trust. 
and who has started up uh, businesses before, you know, capabilities. And um, the president was the same way. And so that's that's how that happened. But in, in you know, trust me, the first year supporting that client in the federal government, I was ready to hang it up. <laughs> like, please don't make me do this anymore. And then lo and behold, again, through networking, the company's first intelligence community contract came through. Oh. So I was on the speaking circuit. They found me. And uh, then it was just all history. Then we stood up the first top secret uh, cleared design team in the intelligence community ever. Wow. Deployable. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It was very cool. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. yeah. But we had a mission. This was much more after I started, you know, rolling things back and learning what was happening to designers and writers and editors and UX people inside the federal government. I, I became passionate to go forth and say, we've got to change design and government. And we did. And we did. In this one particular area, we really did. So, and that was it. That, that, was, my, that was my final mission. I'm like, there's nothing else I can do here. <laughs> I've done it all now that, now that that's come through. So I said, it's, it's time. Uh-huh. And, and talk to us about this. Um, it's a year and a half now of your firm, right? And, and yep. we, all, we all learn and, and people think, uh, you know, it's job seekers who have a tough time, which they do, which they do. But when you're starting out a small business, you go through your share of, you know, rejection and, and learning and, and whatnot. Talk to us about the number one lesson so far, Lee, that you've had to learn, you know, maybe the hard way. Yeah, so I think that you brought, I want to go back to the point that you made about Akathame. Akathame mm-hmm. is a name that I made up. It uh, comes from two words, Akasha, which is energy from above, and Athame, which is a tool that is used to direct energy. So combined, mm-hmm. it's directed energy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I know that my greatest flaw is I have a very difficult time focusing because the world has so much in it. I, mm-hmm. I just get so excited every time I open my eyes. What is the next thing that I can do before I leave this planet? And so I needed a name that said, you have got to focus and direct your energy um, along with making sure that you're doing it for the higher good. And so that's where Akathame was born. And I will tell you that this focus was the hardest thing for me to get my, my arms around. When you have so many interests in this world... Picking one to focus on really is the key to success. And so once I found, once I figured out what that one thing was, then things started just happening. But it wasn't before I went through everything that everybody else goes through. The self-doubt, the what yeah. am I doing, are you yeah. any good at this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, focus. I've got people around me to say, snap out of it. <laughs> and I... And I do a few things that help me snap out of it. And I did snap out of it. And now things are, you know, right where they need to be. Perfect. Perfect. Directed energy. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you actually, this is your word. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. super, super interesting. And uh, focus and concentration and a little bit of discipline. That is really, really in short supply. So I, I love the honesty here. Um, fabulous. So, you know, Lee, um, with everything going on in the world today, I don't have to spell the obvious. What would be your favorite words of advice to someone who's looking to get hired today? If you don't know what you want to do, take some time to figure that out. Mm. It all starts there. Once you figure out what your mission is, your purpose, what you want to do, 
it becomes a lot easier to direct your energy to find the people that can help you make that bring that to life. And so I think when I when I work with job hunters today, they're they're throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping that yeah. something doesn't stick. Meanwhile, it's all sliding down the wall, nothing sticking. I'm making and a mess, gigantic yeah. mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not sticking because they haven't found. They haven't honed in on what their purpose is supposed to be. It, it just it, when that purpose in one's self, I believe, isn't very clear. You know, you're not going to get clarity, and you're not going to get what you think you want or think you need. So it's really that def- defining what you want to do and who you want to do it with or for, however you want to look at it, and then just going for it. And you've also got to leverage, you know, put the word out there. Talk to people. Say, this is what I'm looking for. Can you help me? Yeah, you're not alone. You, 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 yeah, yeah, and, and you, you've got to ask for help. Absolutely. Love that. So, so Lee, this is fantastic. Uh, so much you've shared here. And um, here's the last question, um, nearly the last question. And, and this is something I ask all my guests. I know you know this question because you, you're uh, uh, one of my lovely supporters here on this podcast. Um, what is that one standout defining moment, Lee, that supercharged your career and helped you move towards your current success? I, I would say it was that car accident. I would yeah. say it was that car accident. Yeah. Getting into a head-on collision changes the way you look at work, changes the way that you navigate this world. I did not have a um, near-death thing. I didn't have that happen. Um, but being thrown through the windshield of a Pinto and toppling a car on its roof uh, and then getting another car hitting uh, me uh, alongside, broadsiding me, it was um, that was game-changing. So I would say until, you ha- until I had that experience, whether that happens in work, um, but I am always supercharged because of that, that mm. one moment. Mm. What keeps me going are the, is the trail of success that I leave behind. Mm. You know, one success story after another. If I didn't have these stories to tell, I would be not so supercharged. Mm-hmm. You know what I what I love about this answer is that um, someone who's listening and like wow she went through such a life altering car crash. You would think um, driving or cars would not be a priority anymore, but instead you went and became a truck driver and a biker and a cowgirl and everything that involves wheels. So good for you. You know instead of scaring you off, instead of shaking you away. You were like, bring it on. I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, actually would race a bike too, a motorcycle. So, okay. it, um, yeah, it does nothing. No fear. No, no fear. fear. I also drove out of planes. I'm also a skydiver. So. Oh my God. Yes, I've seen, a picture. <laughs> I've seen a picture of yours on LinkedIn doing that. Oh my gosh. That is one way to feel alive and to feel supercharged. This is fabulous, Lee. So, how can people learn more about you? Well, they can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Happy mm-hmm. to connect with anybody. Um, the website is www.acathame.com. That's A-K-A-T-H-A-M-E. Or you can always email me at lee, L-E-E, at acathame.com. Perfect. I'm going to link all three things in my show notes. This has been such a fabulous conversation, Lee. Thank you so much for your time today. Sano, thank you. What you're doing 
for the job market, not just for the people who are employed, but also unemployed is just remarkable. And your commitment to supporting the world is impressive to say the very least. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you, Lee. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. And if you did, I'd love for you to do one little thing. Go to Apple Podcasts. So that's podcast.apple.com and leave me a review. This really, really helps the discoverability of the show and can help inspire job seekers out there to find jobs and take care of their families. Can you think of anything more important right now? Hmm? I didn't think so. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to get to know you and what you liked about the show. And, and perhaps if you have ideas, feel free to reach out. So take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you.